BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Did you ever see anything about Seska that made you suspicious? The Bob Seska <laughs> Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, May 30, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi. Day 860 of the Biden-Harris administration, 525 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska, and our Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. And sitting right over there, it's Buzz Burbank with the news. When yeah. you say Buzz Burbank. Yet, yet. You've said it all. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Putin's been trying to get my Netflix password. <laughs> He still doesn't know how Ozark ended. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's happening, comrade? Hi. Hi, hi everybody. Uh, as you may know by now, he's Bob. I'm Buzz. And uh, the Republicans swiped our keyboards. We got them back, but some of the keys are missing. <laughs> uh, big big political. you got to think about that. I know. Uh, big political news this week. <laughs> uh, the Justice Department. The Justice Department now says it has damning video of boxes being moved to a storeroom at Target. <laughs> Shit! Uh, we're, we're all pretty excited about the new Trek politics show that Bob's launching with Mary Trump. Oh, I am. Uh, I know I am. Uh, let me tell you why I think it'll be a big hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've decided not to launch it on Twitter. <laughs> hey, hey. Guaranteed success. Wait a second. I need to write that down. Uh, uh, Twitter says it did, though, finally figure out why it had trouble launching the DeSantis announcement. Uh-huh. Uh, they were using Hunter Biden's laptop. <laughs> oh, that thing's been in and out of the shop. Yeah. It, it's been fun watching Texas Republicans fight each other, though. Uh, but I don't know which side to root for. It's like choosing between Foghorn Leghorn and Yosemite Sam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, big debate underway about the future of AI. Yep. Uh, they're still trying to decide if Congress should regulate AI or if AI should regulate Congress. <laughs> it's going to kill us all. Uh, huh? <laughs> it's going to happen. And, and finally, a dozen horses have died at Churchill Downs oh my God. Just, just in the past month. Wow. I think you know what that means. Big sale at Arby's. All right, here we go. Brand new week yeah. with Rocky Mountain Mike. Where well, we're living here in Elon Town. <laughs> Working for an egomaniac clown. And the SpaceX, they're all killing time. Building Starships and Falcon 9s. Well, our boss. 
play Twitter wars Let all the Nazis back in the front door And he's Vladimir Putin's big hoe Dances with fast, fascism slow And we're worked to death in Elong Town Oh yeah, great way to start out the week, huh? Rocky Mountain Mike, Rocky MNTN Mike on Twitter. Go follow him right now. Oh my God, I love that one. We're going to talk about Elon later in the show. Um, Good. Yeah, and you, I don't know if you've listened to Thursday's show, Buzz, but we have some new sounds. Actually, Thursday's and Friday's show. Oh, really? Well, let's catch everybody, including me, up. Yeah, new sounds. We've got Donald Trump Jr. with this Freudian slip from his Rumble video. Oh, Trump yes. has the charisma of a mortician. Trump has the charisma of a mortician. I Trump heard, has the charisma of a mortician. <laughs> Whoops! Yeah. I had read I'd read the quote, but I hadn't heard the sound. I'm so glad you have that tape. Yes, and last week Kimberly had actor Craig Bierko on her show. Uh-huh. Craig Bierko, you might know him as the Jazz Man from Sex and the City. Also, he played Max Bear and Cinderella Man, and a bunch of other roles. He was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He was uh, Hunter S. Thompson's photographer in that movie. Well, he was on Kimberly's show, and for some reason they got to talking about me, and he decided, hey, you know what? This is how I'm going to pronounce Bob's last name from now on. And okay. and, and here's that sound. Seska. Yes. Seska. 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 And so what's fun is to combine uh, Trump saying Bob with uh-huh. Craig Bierko t- saying Seska. Bob yeah. Seska. Oh, very nice. <laughs> the new way I say my name. Bob Whoops, that's, oh my God. That, that's Jody. Oh, that's a, put that, that's your middle name. Put that in the middle. <laughs> okay, now, now you're testing my sound effect skills. Okay. <laughs> Bob. Oh my gosh. Seska. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ladies and gentlemen. Very well done. I'm all ready like for that. the top five it's, list later. It's like we have our own AI. <laughs> It's going to kill us all with podcast drop-ins. <laughs> like, there you go. Like Craig that, that's how it starts. Yeah. That's how it starts, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Then. Oh, my God. Yeah, and then, Don Jr.'s on Coke. Right. And then, <laughs> truth. Truth. Central. See, the AI's already yeah. going nuts. It's inhabited my soundboard. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you let machines take over. <laughs> it says, what? Yeah. God damn it. Yes, yeah. See, no, it's no. already happening. It's a Sad. rise of the machines. You're absolutely right. Okay. Where's Skynet? Is Skynet taking over my computer? Okay. <laughs> okay, you you know what? You mentioned you had some breaking news right before the show. Uh, it's great. We got I, breaking I this, news at this, the beginning of the show rather than five minutes after the show. Yeah, just about like uh, 10, 15 minutes ago uh, from NBC Politics, uh, this headline, far-right members unhappy with debt deal float threatening McCarthy's speakership. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know, oh boy, right? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, let's talk about this because I've got all kinds. I have mixed feelings about this, too. Do you, do you have a starting point for us? Yes. Well, obviously, in case you've been living in a box for the last three days, there appears to be a deal on the debt ceiling in place between uh, Joe Biden, the White House, and, uh, and the congressional Republicans. However, the usual suspects are furious about it. And we'll, we'll talk about your breaking news first here, and then we'll get into some of the Republicans who are super-duper pissed about the debt deal. Because, as you know, I just love to wallow in the schadenfreude. If Republicans are angry, this is something that Allison Gill from Muller, she wrote, has been tweeting for the last uh, few days now. If Republicans are angry, I'm happy. 
And so right. <laughs> we're going to talk about that in a second. So what, what's the, what are the specifics of this NBC News thing? Congressman Ken Buck, Republican of Colorado, floated using the motion to vacate a rule that would allow any member of Congress to force a vote to remove the speaker to sources okay. familiar with gotcha. the call told NBC News. Uh, the point of this, though, is, is that's how bad it's gotten. Gotcha. Whether or not yeah. they'll succeed in removing McCarthy, of course, remains to be seen. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that, that it's even being floated... Uh, is not good news for their side. I did not take well to the news that uh, Biden had negotiated a deal with the terrorists when that when that news first came in. Yeah, uh, that just didn't set well with me. It was like getting your keyboard back with some of the keys missing. It, it was like getting the hostage back with some of its fingers and toes missing. It was the fact that. But the good news is, by gosh, we negotiated with the terrorists. I, you know, I, I had trouble with all of that. But as time has gone by and we've had a chance to study and. Calmer, you know, it's amazing what a little information can do for your opinion. Because the more I find out about the deal, the more I find out how unhappy Republicans are about it and why, and why why Democrats should be happy about this deal, because it basically changes nothing and Biden won. Yeah. Uh, uh, to a large degree, uh, the effect is uh, little except we prevent this country and perhaps the world from going over a financial cliff. Yeah, yeah. And one of the reasons I wanted to circle back to the Kevin McCarthy news is to see how serious they were. If this was just something someone's floated or if they actually have a plan to remove Kevin McCarthy. And that I assume if this is mainly just the Freedom Caucus pushing him around and trying yeah, to, get, trying to get him to renege on elements of the deal that they don't like, which as far as I can tell, they don't like any of it. So yeah, basically, yeah. Well, here's the deal. Here, here's how serious I guess it is, and it all gets down to numbers. So words don't mean anything when when the the bottom line is the votes. But uh, after House Freedom Caucus Chairman Scott Perry suggested it might be too early for such a drastic threat, Paul Gosar proposed using the threat to force McCarthy to allow members to amend the bill on the House floor under an open rule that could stall the bill's passage, which could again send us over the cliff. I'll tell you this, if that happens, or if the Republicans actually vote down uh, the deal that their leadership has made with the White House, uh, I think then maybe, hopefully, would be the time for President Biden to invoke the 14th Amendment and just get it done to yeah. save the country and the world. Yes, I like that option a lot because what that would do is it would create a new tradition in the presidency that would then carry over to the next Republican president and so on and so on and so on. And the consequence of that would be that we no longer have this wrangling over the debt ceiling. It just right. happens by presidential fiat. Th and, this is yeah. a chance, exactly. This is a chance not only to prevent going over that cliff now, but it would prevent this from ever being used as a threat or a hostage situation ever, ever again. Yes. So you had uh, a lot of objections to this. Obviously, well, I did. The I, missing I, keys I've, on the keyboard, as far as the hostages missing fingers yeah, and yeah, toes, yeah. and 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 it, it really isn't that bad. Uh, mm -hmm. We might have lost a nail somewhere, but uh, it it isn't as bad as I feared it was. I still wish my my gut hasn't changed that we never should have negotiated with these clowns in the first place. Yeah, and and what I wish the president understood, and 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 you know, I he's he's right until I prove him wrong, and I haven't done that yet. But what I wish uh, Biden would do is get over this bipartisanship because 
it isn't possible anymore. Yeah. There, you, you know, and I know you can point to examples where where it's been done, including possibly this deal. But to me, bipartisanship is an agreement between two legitimate political parties. Yeah. And we, we don't have a legitimate Republican Party anymore. They used to be one. They screwed that up. They are now liars and terrorists and hostage takers. And I just don't have any patience for that. Yeah. Uh, if he if he can make this happen, uh, then I'm glad he's president and I'm not. But my gut doesn't like negotiating with these guys in the first place. The good news is, as a negotiator, he did very well. He did very well by us. Uh, we, uh, Democrats are b- better off than than we could have been, I suppose. Certainly, uh, the, the main thing is that Republicans didn't get most of what they wanted. The the uh, They wanted the entire $80 million for the IRS cut. They got $20 million cut, and we get to go spend it on domestic programs that they applied cuts applied spending freezes to yeah so uh, in many ways we we do in fact come out ahead on this deal it was a well-negotiated deal and it's no wonder republicans are pissed uh, I, I still wish we hadn't negotiated with them and i hope uh, the republicans prove me wrong and pass this this deal if they don't then uh, then i'm right and biden has to invoke the 14th Yes, and uh, you know what? I sympathize with so much of that. The problem is that these freaks, weirdos, and bigots control uh, enough of a percentage of the congressional vote in order to become a factor. So just by default, by very nature of political numbers and political reality, uh, we got to deal with them. Uh, Joe Biden has to deal with them. And add to that the Democrats who are unhappy in Congress who are unhappy about this deal. Uh, If enough Republicans and enough Democrats object to this deal, it fails. I don't see that the president has any choice. When we came uh, close uh, to defaulting in the past, I I don't remember what year it was, but uh, they still had three weeks to turn things around when we got to this point. We don't have three weeks anymore. We have five days Mm -hmm. or six. So the agreement would uh, keep non-defense spending roughly flat, in right. the 2024 fiscal year and increase it by 1% the following year. They wanted a big increase, didn't get it. Exactly. It was one thing that they were denied. Uh, for the next fiscal year, the bill matches Biden's proposed defense budget of $886 billion and a lot $704 billion for non-defense spending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lopsided, isn't it? Uh, but it's always been the case, or it's been the case right. since the beginning of the Cold War. The bill also requires Congress to approve 12 annual spending bills or face a snapback to spending limits from the previous year, which would mean a 1% cut. Interesting. The legislation aims to limit federal uh, limit federal budget growth to 1% for the next six years. Overall, the White House estimates that the plan would reduce government spending by at least $1 trillion, but official calculations have not yet been released. And so the other thing is that this would raise the debt ceiling or the debt limit for two years, so they wouldn't have to do this again until January of 2025, which is after the next presidential election. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Our debt limit is set to adjust itself (laughs) automatically, or this is how it should be in the first place. Yeah. yeah. uh, Or or shouldn't exist at all. Right. Uh, Over the next two years, it puts it it off till 25. We get the two years. We also get it uh, pushed to after the presidential election. 
Um, I, I read a bit of history this morning, and again, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not as careful about bringing details as I was when I did the news. But I know that <laughs> when when Obama was president and we came close to default, uh, he worked out a deal with uh, then Speaker of the House John Boehner uh, to make two point one trillion dollars in cuts. Obama agreed to two point one trillion dollars in cuts. And you know what happened in the few years that followed that? Uh, the Republicans got half of that. They, in other words, uh, the, there were there was a trillion dollars in cuts instead of the two point one trillion that was agreed to. Because what happens is when these things go to a committees for appropriations, uh, they look at the budget and they go, "Well, this this doesn't work. We need yeah. to spend more here." And and they end up spending more. And and so uh, the, the cuts. Uh, the cuts are not as deep as they appear yeah, because yeah. Co co Congress has to vote on each of these things individually. And veterans care, by the way, not subject to any cuts. It's going to this agreement fully funds medical care for veterans at the levels right. included in Biden's proposed 24 uh, budget blueprint. Mm -hmm. The there's a parameter here more. about. Yeah, there's a there's a thing here about unspent covid money. The agreement would rescind about three or 30 billion in unspent coronavirus relief money that Congress approved through previous bills, clause mm -hmm. back. Uh, unobligated money from dozens of federal programs that received aid during the pandemic. Legislation protects uh, pandemic funding for veterans, medical care, housing assistance, the Indian Health Service, and some $5 billion for a program focused on rapidly developing the next generation of COVID-19 vaccines and treatments. That's great news. Yeah. That's definitely good news. IRS funding took a hit by $1.4 billion. I think one of the reasons why Joe Biden relented on that is because, generally speaking, eh, no one gives a shit about the IRS. Well, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like that, to, to, mm. to, to go to war against the Republicans over IRS funding right, right. is just a non-starter, well, politically this was speaking. A, this, this was a token gesture on Biden's part. It, it gave them something to—it yeah. didn't give them what they wanted. They wanted the entire $80 uh, billion cut. Uh, and and what he got was uh, a twenty billion dollar cut, and and that twenty, according to this agreement, can then be spent on, like I said, the domestic programs that uh, are under uh, freezes, uh, the budget freezes over the next couple of years. So uh, we got to ch cheat a little on that, but it gave the Republicans something to take back to the people and say, hey, we cut some of that IRS money. We cut a big chunk. We got twenty yeah. million dollars of that uh, IRS money. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. The twenty, and, actually, the twenty billion gets twenty billion. Yeah. Yeah, gets reallotted. It's not necessarily being cut. It's being right. reallotted to non-defense programs. I understand so that the that net the, effect over. Yeah. I understand the net effect over the next ten years is nil. That it yeah. doesn't really hurt the plans to improve enforcement and the service at the IRS. Yeah, yeah. So ultimately, this is one of those concessions that while those of us in the know are going, well, the IRS needs funding. They need to be able to do their job because well, the government needs money to spend on. On programs that we support but at the same time generally speaking for the folks for the regular people who go out and vote or not vote shit like this is just one of those things that if if joe biden were to tank the whole deal trying to defend the irs spending 
it, right. it would be a complete oh, oh, waste of time yeah, and energy. Yeah, you wouldn't yeah. want to tanker the whole deal over yeah. that. But I do think uh, people who you say don't care about the IRS, and that's mostly true. I mostly agree with that that argument. Here's what they do care about. They care about getting their refunds in a timely manner. Yeah. Uh, and so they want the IRS staffed well enough to do that. They want uh, somebody there to answer the phone when they call with a question. So they want the IRS staff to do that because it, it, a lot of us – have had the experience of trying to deal with the IRS over the phone and did we get the right office? <laughs> you, yeah. Do you have the right department and on and on and on. Uh, that can be made better and will be by this money. Uh, so people do care about those things. And the third thing they want from the IRS, IRS is to be left alone. Yeah. But mainly they want their refunds and they want customer service. And uh, so the funding has to be there. Was it enough to squirrel the entire deal over? No. Is it a very important issue to people? Yeah. In spite of the fact they don't think much about the IRS, I think it is kind of important, especially to those who have had to get on the phone. Yes, I know so many people, and myself included, who right. have spent literally hours, hours. on hold hours. with the IRS, yeah. where you put the phone down and you even forget that you're on hold. You move on to something else, or maybe right. that's maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just forgetful. No, a, no. Uh, and then uh, suddenly I'll hear someone talking on my phone, and I'll go, <laughs> what, what? What? Did I call someone? Who's that? Who's on my phone? Uh, and it's the IRS. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that needs to be fixed about it. No one gives a shit about the IRS until they need the IRS for something. Right. <laughs> that's got right. A general and, 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 and and so many people have had that experience, especially yeah. uh, from the pandemic forward, uh, have had uh -huh. uh, trouble with the IRS. And it's because Republicans cut funding for the IRS. Yeah, Republicans yeah. are the ones who made service bad and refunds <laughs> slow because they cut funding for it because they didn't like the fact that the IRS was decertifying some of their right-wing, uh, basically, political action committees that were disguised as charities and wouldn't give them their, their uh, charity their charity discount or the charity uh, dispensation at the IRS. Uh, and and it was because Republicans were pissed about what the IRS was doing to the Tea Party, uh, enforcing the law. They cut funding for it. And, and there was a result. People can't get through on the phone and don't get their refunds on time. So the next aspect of this budget deal, this debt ceiling deal, has to do yes. with work requirements. It was one of those things when the deal was first yeah. announced on MSNBC. I was listening to it. I was standing in the kitchen and I could hear it in the background. And they say, we've got it. We've reached a deal. And I said out loud to Kimberly, gee, I hope they don't fuck with work requirements for food stamps. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then right after I said that, whoever was on TV on MSNBC said, and the deal includes uh, work requirements for food stamps. And I said, oh, this shit. Yeah, damn it. This is... This is the finger we didn't get back from the hostage takers. Uh, because right. this means that someone who's, say, 58 years old, uh -huh. uh, who needs uh, food stamp assistance, has to go out and find a job. Well, actually, it's, it's 54, but still, I get I get the point. It's, it goes up uh, yeah, from... Sorry, it is a 54 limb. I know a person in their 50s. I, I yes. Picked the, Same I just difference. read yeah, yeah. in a different... Yeah. yeah. I, I just read people in their 50s could be uh, put in that position. So somebody 54 or 53 or 52 has to go out and try to find a job. Uh, mm -hmm. Think about that for a second oh, and yeah. realize how insane that is. Yeah, it's next to impossible. There's ageism. Right. It's real. People that age, like if I wanted to go out, if I decided, oh shit, this podcasting thing sucks, I got to go out and get a job. Right. Wandering around the streets as a 51-year-old, soon to be 52, 
the chances of me getting a job against people who are 30 years younger than me are next to zero. So the work requirements already exist for most able-bodied adults between ages of 18 and 49. So that was already in place. The bill would phase in higher age limits, bringing the maximum age to 54 by 2025. I see. But that actually expires uh, in 2030. Or, or is 54 the new 49? Yeah, uh, whatever. Here's, yeah. You know, I, I was a, sort of a Debbie Downer about this deal uh, when, when it first made. Because <laughs> I saw. I, 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 I didn't like the fact that we were negotiating with host, with hostage takers. Yeah. Uh, and and, and in, a, in a real reversal, my people were talking me down. And they did a really good job of it. And they, they turned around my thinking on some of those points. Still don't like negotiating with... Uh, terrorists, but turns yeah. out they don't either. But they helped me see that, uh, first of all, among other things, we can undo this. Yeah, we can undo this at the ballot box. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, so normally in a situation where I'm Ted Lasso and everybody else is Roy Kent, uh, this time it was the tables were turned, and uh, I was the grumpy guy, and uh, they were the calm, reasonable <laughs> people who made me realize that this isn't as bad as it looks. But I'm not happy about seeing the age uh, raised, uh, the top limit raised for work requirements. Uh, requiring work in order to get food mm-hmm. is just such a kick in the gut. But yeah. a 54-year-old can't go to work on a warehouse dock or in a warehouse right. or a, a lot of other things. They they do have some limitations, and where they don't have limitations, they run into the ageism that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, I, at least, you know what this deal is not, uh, mm-hmm. is, and I don't use, normally use this language. I don't normally like it, but and I still don't. But I, I'm quoting somebody. What this deal isn't for us is a turd sandwich. And yeah. uh, Congressman Chip Roy, a Republican, uh, described it uh, for the Republicans as. A turd sandwich is one of the one of the people who. So if it's that bad for the Republicans or at least the the uh, ultra MAGA crowd, then it's got to be good news for us. And uh, from what you just run down, it's not a turd sandwich for us. So yeah, uh, it may it may be for them, but not for us. So win, right? I think that's the key to all of this. We we need to start uh, winning more elections. I can't help but to continue to emphasize that, and we're doing. Quite Quite well. We're moving in that direction, which is Mm -hmm. encouraging, especially in areas where you don't necessarily assume we're going to win. Yeah, high uh, Colorado Springs and uh, what was it, Fort Lauderdale or Jackson? No, Jackson, Florida. Yeah, yeah. I always want to say Tallahassee, that's the capital, but no, it's Jacksonville. (laughs) And so if we continue to do that, if that keeps going in a positive positive direction, Mm -hmm. I think we can start to not have to worry about shit like this. We can start right. to not have to worry about That'd negotiating nice. with a-holes and terrorists and weirdos. Uh, right. Because that, that just seems to be the thing that uh, we get can't get past and we end up in these situations where whenever there's an election coming up, we end up fighting intramurally about uh, third-party mm-hmm. candidates and primary challengers and things like right. that, not realizing the, the math and the electoral stakes. And so if we start to focus more on those two things, the latter mm-hmm. two things, then I think uh, we won't have to acquiesce to so many of these uh, demands from the Republicans. And that's well, what it comes out to. I mean, obviously, there's, there's a gerrymandering problem. But you know what gets rid of gerrymandering is 
winning more elections. <laughs> so I can't help but to go back to that as being a long-term goal that we need to continue to strive for. And that means taking a, uh, a more ferocious approach when it comes to elections rather than, well, I, lesser of two evils, I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. No, uh-huh. it's not. Stop talking like that. Stop thinking in those <laughs> yeah, terms. <yeah. laughs> there is one party that is occupied by grown-ups who will do the right thing or at least try to do the right thing. And then there's another party that's loaded with a bunch of scam artists and flim flammers and, you know, bigots and assholes. And so we need to act accordingly based on those two sides. And I, I, we talked about this before, but I really think our most effective tools, each and every one of us as Democrats, as progressives, our our best tools in preventing a Trump or a DeSantis presidency uh, is to never let up on the fact that they are anti-gay, anti-choice, pro-guns, and pro-Trump. Yeah. Make them wear, uh, make them wear the face of Marjorie Taylor Greene and Donald Trump. Yeah. Make them, make them wear uh, their little AR-15 lapel pins uh, when surrounded by bloody bodies. Uh, you know, make them aware of the women. Who who die or because of anti-choice laws or, or the the gays who uh, LGBTQ community who are assaulted or die or or have to flee because of uh, anti-gay laws make Republicans wear these things. These are I think our strongest tools to get. To, the, to get everybody to the ballot box. Yes, I so completely agree. Uh, and before we move on, I want to talk about yes. a couple more things here. Uh, one of the good aspects of this debt deal is yes. it puts in place changes in the National Environmental Policy Act, and that will speed up new energy projects which is good. invariably good news. Plus, but it also allows that West Virginia oil project to continue. That's true, and that was part of the negotiation. If right, you let us right. do this, we'll give Joe Manchin his ridiculous, right. whatever it is, the Mountain Valley Pipeline. By Lester Flat and Earl Scruggs, I believe. <laughs> let's, right. let's hope that that doesn't uh, burst or explode at some point, huh? Uh, student loans untouched. The student loan debt relief, uh, that is completely untouched. That's not part of this deal at all. And also uh, new work requirements for Medicaid recipients also left out of the final agreement. And these are some of the things that I think Republicans are super duper pissed off about. Oh, yeah. Uh, They wanted all of these things and more. Remember, you know, the IRS thing, maybe not the centerpiece of this, but it's a good it's a good example. It's a good read of how this went. Yeah. They wanted to cut 80, 80 billion. They got to cut twenty billion. That's mm-hmm. how good that they they fell far short of their goals. And it's no wonder that they're not happy with the taste of this sandwich. So we've got a lot of reactions from Republicans. You mentioned Chip Roy is pissed off. Uh, right. I know that Ted Cruz is pissed off. Rand Go Paul sorry. and a bunch of others. Yeah, that makes me really really happy. I'm happy about Bobert, that because yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you the- notice. Marjorie Taylor Greene is staying silent on this because she's uh, Kevin McCarthy's little friend now. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. 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 Uh, also, she can't count past six, so I'm not sure <laughs> right, exactly right. how she would figure out what's good and what's bad in a she, and, debt and, negotiation. <laughs> and she could call for decorum at any time. <laughs> yes, that's right. One of my favorite clips from last week. Just right. the... 
gigantic burst of guffaws from the Democrats. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. So in just a second here, we've got what? You got a top five list for us? Is that what you got? I do, as a matter right. of fact. Yes. So we'll have that here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Plus, what being presidential sounds like. You know, we, we often talk <laughs> yeah. about presidential and being presidential from our chief executives, how Donald Trump was completely the antithesis of being presidential, mm-hmm. uh, and how Joe Biden, I think, represents quite well the definition of that term. Yes. There's another example, and I've got it in audio clip form. Of, yeah, of Joe Biden being interrupted by a crying baby during an event <laughs> at the White House over the weekend. And it was a beautiful thing. Just such a perfect example <laughs> of what it means to to run this country, to to be in that post and okay, why. Right. Yeah. Why it's so important that Joe Biden is redefining that when that idea was completely absent in the previous four years. Right, right. It became undefined, and now it's been redefined. And we've got more Twitter disinformation and Elon fostering a community of disinformation on Twitter. Can we even call that? I don't know why I called it a community of disinformation, but let's just call it a glut. Yeah, (laughs) a geyser. Somebody said the other day Twitter is the new Fox News. Yeah, well, that's absolutely true. Tucker Carlson's yeah. going there. The Daily Wire guys are putting their videos on Twitter now instead of YouTube. Yeah, it's actually happening. But first, here's the best way to listen to this podcast with all without all of these commercial interruptions, right? Say, oh, my God, enough commercials, Bob. Just go right now to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Scroll down to the link for the ultimate edition of the podcast and sign up for just $15 per month. And in exchange for your super-duper generous support, we're going to give you a completely commercial-free version of the Tuesday show, the Wednesday show, the Thursday shows, and the Shadow Docket show every Tuesday and Thursday. But wait, there's more. You're also going to get the Friday After Party podcast with me and Kimberly Johnson included in that level of support, all for just $15 per month. Fifteen dollars a month. You know, you might be saying that's a gigantic amount of money, but you know what? You get a lot of stuff in exchange. Plus, you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And we thank you. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. a brand new track, brand new single from my friend Richard Turgeon. I like it. Yeah, one of the, one of our favorites here on the show, of course. 
The song is called Fire Hose. Link in the description to support Richard Turgeon to download this single and get it into your record collection now. Do that. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me, or at least when the song kicked off, it reminded me a little of Green Day. And uh, yes. that's, I like this kind of music. I yeah, like yeah. Green Day and Linkin Park and all that. So, yeah. yeah and, no, I think these guys are great. Yeah, and Richard's been rolling out this kind of music for, God, uh, 20, 25 years now. It's been so great. Before uh, he was a solo recording artist, he had a project called The Movies. And, uh, God, that's when I first heard of Richard. Other than the fact that uh, I think he went to high school with my ex-wife at one point. <laughs> and so, uh, suffice to say, you got to support Richard Turgeon and his brand new single, yeah. Fire Hose. Uh, BobSuska.com slash music to submit your work to the show. And while you're there, make sure to go to this episode dated 53023. Click that link, scroll on down, Do and it. you can find links for all our indie recording artists here on the show. Okay. Yay. So, let's see what else here. Um, oh, I think we have a top five list, do we? Well, you know, Bob, last week we learned that someone, Tucker Carlson, had <laughs> leaked the uh, Fox News employee handbook mm -hmm. to show the world how woke it is over there at Fox News. Yeah. Well, we, we've had a chance to study it closely, so now here are <laughs> the top five little-known rules in the Fox News employee handbook. Number five, electroshock therapy not covered in company health plans. Number four, employees must wash hands after shows with Brian Kilmeade. Ew. <laughs> Number three, someone keeps stealing Steve Ducey's Yo Play. This must stop. <laughs> number two, no blue M&Ms. And the number one little-known rule in the Fox News employee handbook. Number one. Employees caught sleeping on the job will be woke. <laughs> awesome. The Fox News Employee Handbook. Little known rules of the Fox News Employee Handbook. Yeah, you know what? I'm noticing other things coming down along those lines. I, I saw <laughs> on Twitter uh, the Donald Trump MAGA store has pride-themed products that are <laughs> that they're rolling out. There's Why are also, we not surprised? Yeah, and I think uh, Chick Fil A also has a super yes. duper inclusive policy they, as well. They just they just hired <laughs> a diversity they just hired a diversity officer at Chick Fil A. Yeah, and uh, conservatives are their heads are exploding. They don't know what to do because that was their go to was Chick Fil A, and now Chick Fil A is woke. Fox News is woke, and Donald, no, he's still Donald Trump, yeah, he's still but he's selling Trump, yeah. gay merchandise anyway. <laughs> That's right. So uh, I was mentioning uh, the idea of being presidential here a second ago, and yes. there was a great example of this, and this is I mean, not a huge deal, but it was one of those moments that I thought was uh, sweet and presidential and felt normal. Can, it's one of those things where, this, yeah. yeah, after the four years of Donald Trump uh, exactly, and all of the abnormal behavior we saw in the White House, it's nice to have some normalcy that's, back again. That That's the context. You yeah. have to go back to Obama, who was exceedingly presidential. He was right. really the, the ideal president when he was when he was on camera or on mic, he yeah. was presidential. And then, as Bob said, that completely went away and was completely 
completely upended by Donald Trump. And and it seemed we'd never get the rules back. Right. We'd never get the as Marjorie Taylor Greene likes to call it, the decorum back. Yeah. But we but we have in this guy and and it is, as Bob has said, such a huge relief to be back to this level of normalcy. So here's Joe Biden. I forget what event it was at the White House. It was one of those things where there were a bunch of people standing behind him, and he was offering up some uh, uh, remarks about that. And right. there was a kid that was making some noise in the crowd. Now, if you remember Donald Trump, when that would happen to him, uh-huh. he would be like, can somebody get that baby out of here? Get the baby. Yeah. Stupid, yeah, stupid, stupid baby. It would completely derail him. He would yeah, seem would. irritated by it. Uh, yeah. He would try to laugh it off, but you knew it was phony. Yeah. Uh, it, it was it, it was awkward, and it went on much too long. Uh, listen to, and I haven't even heard this yet, but listen to the smoothness with which Joe Biden handles the situation. Well, part of the problem, Buzz, was that Donald Trump had the charisma of a mortician. Trump has the charisma of a mortician. Thanks, Junior. So, that's what it was. <laughs> so nice. Yeah, so here's what happened. This baby's making a lot of noise, and here's what uh, Joe Biden said. When I was in school, that's okay. Look, she's allowed to do anything you want. <laughs> Kids rule in my house, okay? What's the matter? What's the matter? I don't blame you. I'm bored with me, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. What are you doing? <laughs> He, he, he was able to convey warmth. He was able to convey humor. And may I point out how quickly he responded to that. Yes. How fast on his feet he was. Yes. In responding to that situation. So that, that, that little clip says those three things about him. And those three things together spell presidential. He was self-deprecating. That's a yes. big deal. We haven't Always. seen that in a while, have we? Uh, Barack Obama was good at that. Even go back to Ronald Reagan was great at being self-deprecating, kind of poking fun at himself. And so here's Joe Biden doing the same thing. And that mm-hmm. that makes him sound endearing. And I'm not saying this in terms of, well, he's putting on a show necessarily. No. I think this is the I think this is natural to his personality. I think he's genuine. just yeah, yeah, genuinely another, like that. That's, yeah. that's another factor. Genuine, warm, uh, authentic. Uh, calm yeah uh yeah uh all of those things and and very much in command of the situation and willing to make light of it and and quickly and again you notice he didn't dwell on it either he handled it just another sweet moment better than a baby yeah exactly right (laughs) okay so on the opposite end of the self-deprecating uh earnest and authentic spectrum we've got elon musk who continues to not only platform disinformation, but agrees with and therefore increases the engagement for disinformation. So this account that I'm not going to mention the name of the account because disinformation. But, of course, the disinformation account has a gigantic blue check next to it. Of course. And the article is also by the same disinformation Account, so they, they're sharing an, a, an article that they wrote themselves, right? And the headline says, Zero young, healthy individuals died of COVID 19. Israeli data show, and so Elon Musk replied to that with one word, zero dot dot dot, as if to suggest that he agrees with or wants to amplify and, the idea and, that and this is this information is true, yeah. And confirms it as fact. Yeah, yeah. The, what what you were saying there, just to, to clarify it for everyone, is that uh, this fake site, 
uh, posted an article uh, that it had written itself. What, what is that? Why? Why would they do that? Well, to, for one thing, to make it look like a real article. Yes. Uh, they they believe that they're adding credibility to it by attaching an article to that post. And, and then, uh, yeah, Elon Musk is not just allowing this. Uh, he's endorsing it. Yeah. He's in, endorsing it, saying, yeah, this is right. This is the truth. And may I add to that? I can't believe we're still litigating this. I know. It's fucking unbelievable. And I, by the way, I want to emphasize the fact that this account has eight is following 890 people, but uh-huh. has 1.6 million followers. Of course it does. 1.6 million followers. There is no effing justice on social media. There is well, no meritocracy. I, I don't. I believe they they probably have a high number, but I believe it's inflated. I I don't. They don't have that many followers. I I'm not buying that. I'm yeah, just well that not, that could know. be absolutely the you case. Know, that's that's as phony as their article. Yes, this could totally be a situation where they're buying followers, but that's a lot of followers to buy. 1.6 million followers to purchase. That would be a big outlay of cash. And maybe they have it. I don't know. But regardless. Yeah, yeah I just, I, a million and a half Americans follow that account. I just, yeah. I have a hard time with that. Our confounded reaction to this highlights just how obscene and absurd this is. The fact that there are accounts with blue checks, with 1.6 million followers spreading right. disinformation like this, right. that Elon Musk, the owner of the site, is elevating uh, with his own little remarks afterward. So just right. b- by his very nature of Elon Musk replying mm-hmm. to this thing, followers, yeah. boosts it even more. So that particular tweet, 3 million views on the initial tweet. Elon Musk's reply, 2.5 million views. And then there was, and maybe this is an upside to the Twitter platform or not, I don't know. But there is a reader's added context box under this tweet. And yes, it was initiated by the Israeli Ministry of Health. Good. Excellent. Yes. The Israel Ministry of Health has called this article misinformation. Yep. Furthermore, of the 356 18 to 49 year old adults who died, half have documentation for an epidemiological investigation, and only 7.5% had an underlying disease. This does not include kids 17 and under. And then if you scroll down, you see this the same Israel Ministry of Health account replying. And by the way, this has a, a gray check next to it. Uh, and they tell Elon directly, unfortunately, this is not what the whole data shows. Fake news is dangerous, they write. Mm-hmm. Israel Good. Ministry of Health was asked on chronic disease data and explained that we don't have access to criminal records. We provided the limited data available if something was shared during epidemiological investigation. This data was available for only 27 people, minus 7.5% of the 356 young people who died of COVID in Israel, and on and on and on. There are several more replies in that thread. Suffice to say, Disinformation elevated by Elon Musk, This, in this case, on COVID. What could possibly go wrong as far as that goes? And by the way, in China, 65 million, I think it's 65 million new cases a week of COVID happening in China right now. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. it's happening all over again. 
and, and new variations. This, this isn't over. It's subsided yep. for now. And uh, the more we let down our guard, the more likely it is to come back. I am I'm concerned about the cuts we've made in COVID funding. I'm glad to hear some uh, research for vaccines money was included in the in the budget deal yeah but uh it's it's not over and we, are we prepared for it again and uh, this disinformation is as the last uh, wave of pandemic proved is fatal is is deadly yeah. yeah i absolutely agree and i uh i was at the air and space museum over the weekend <laughs> downtown dc and walking around and doing things and seeing museums and lots of great artwork. By the way, I right. stopped at the Hirshhorn Museum of Modern Art and saw some incredible installations, one about the climate crisis called Purple. And I noticed something that was quite striking, that while I was inside the Air and Space Museum, other than when I was taking selfies, I was, I think, the only person I saw who was wearing a mask other than some security guards. And so it's just it's done. Everyone's just done with it. I, so. I keep a mask with me at all times. And if I ever got it in a crowded indoor situation, I would absolutely use yeah. one. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I'm I'm I've stopped wearing them as well. Uh, if I'm going into a store where there are maybe three other people in the end, it's a big store and only three other people in it. Yeah. Uh, and I don't come in close contact with any of them. I don't use a mask anymore. Yeah. I, I have let down. Uh, my guard to that to that degree, but I certainly would take it up again if there were, uh, say, an increase in cases here. Well, yeah, obviously I'm willing to take mine off because I was doing it for vanity purposes and social media purposes. So, right, <laughs> so that right. was that was kind of my limit. But uh, the next story, as far as Elon and Twitter goes, is that. EU officials, European Union officials, say Twitter has abandoned uh, the bloc's voluntary pact against disinformation. So Twitter right. has dropped out of a voluntary EU agreement to combat online disinformation, well, the top EU official said on Friday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Twitter had pulled out of this disinformation code of practice that other major social media platforms have pledged to support. But he added that Twitter's obligation remained referring to the EU's tough new digital rules taking effect in August. And this guy, uh, Thierry, Thierry Breton, who's the European sure. commissioner, yeah, he said, you can run, but you can't hide, <laughs> directed at Elon Musk. So it could be that they end up cracking down on access to Twitter inside the EU since it's not going to comply with this information compact. It, it, it sounds like a threat of regulation, something yeah. that the EU has not been reluctant to do in the past. They would be mm -hmm. more than happy to slap rules on Twitter if Twitter won't play along. Yeah, yeah. But another indication that Elon simply does not give a shit about disinformation. And it's, oh, to me, yeah. it's no coincidence that the 2024 election is getting larger in the windshield, so to speak. It's getting closer and closer and closer. And at the same time, Elon is becoming much more lax about disinformation if he's paying attention to it at all. I don't think he even believes it exists. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Now yeah. you've struck upon it. It's not that he doesn't care about disinformation. He believes, as you indicated with his response of zero dot dot dot, yeah. he believes the misinformation. Right. He believes the disinformation, and he amplifies it. And that's all very dangerous in terms of the pandemic. It is potentially dangerous in terms of the election, and there are some AI concerns there as well. Uh, I, my feeling is that people are already kind of set in their ways. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't. I. You know. I, I just don't know. I don't know how much influence this, and let's say there's disinformation regarding the 24 presidential campaign. 
uh, how effective is that going to be? Uh, is is that you know is it going to be as bad as it was before? Is it going to be worse, or or will it have less effect because people? have sort of stopped paying attention to some of that stuff. I don't know. But let's contrast this EU story, where Elon refuses to play ball with the EU when it comes to disinformation, with this next story, which is that Elon continues to genuflect at the feet of authoritarian regimes by complying with their requests for censorship. So Mr. Free Speech Absolutist has approved... 83% of censorship requests by authoritarian governments. Like I said, he's embraced this stuff. He doesn't just allow it now. He's embraced it. And and it's terrifying. And he and DeSantis are buddy-buddy. I, you know, I don't like the looks of any of this. I I just, I... I don't know how, what to do about it, for one yeah. thing, uh, and and how much effect it's actually going to have on the 24 election, right. which is where my attention has now turned. Well, what we have to do is get all of us agreeing that this is going on and that this is bad. Right. <laughs> all we have to do is look at 2015 and 2016 to get uh, where this could end up going. And then from that point, I hope that at some point we'll raise enough of a stink that members of the United States Senate, for example, will haul Elon in or maybe propose some regulations here, maybe carve around the edges of Section 230, uh, maybe take a look at that. I mean, there's got to be something that we can do internally here. And before that happens, enough of us have to say this is a big enough problem where it could end up in reelecting or electing for a second time Donald Trump. And so in that regard, I, I feel as though my mission now with mentioning these stories is to just get us all on the same page, knowing, acknowledging that this is a problem. And I don't think we're there yet. I don't think we're there yet. It sounds like progressives need to be applying pressure to Congress uh, to, to do something our Congress has been reluctant to do. And that's regulate this stuff. And I know there are guys in, in Washington on the right and the left who would like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it needs to be discussed and hammered out and, and something, some action needs to be taken. Uh, the EU has set a great example because it has not been reluctant in the past to impose rules where self-regulation did not work. I believe it will again in this case. I, I hope that the example being set by the EU is uh, taken up by our own Congress with help from our own pressure, from voters, from progressives. Yeah, yeah. So what Elon is doing now is he's ignoring actual disinformation while at the same time uh, kissing the asses of authoritarian regimes. Mm-hmm. And that should, yeah. there should be a gigantic point of concern, just gigantic red flag. So since Musk's takeover, the company has received 971 requests from governments, fully acceding to 808 of them and partially acceding to 154. In the year prior to Musk taking control, Twitter agreed to just 50% of such requests in line with the compliance rate indicated in the company's last transparency report. Following the change of ownership, that figure has risen to 83%, according to the analysis of the data by the technology information portal Rest of the World. So, again, fuck you, Democratic nations in the EU, but come on, come on, let's let's play ball and, and be friends, authoritarian regimes. That's the message that Elon is sending it, it, through all it, of this. It, it tells you everything you need to know about Elon Musk. It tells you everything you need to know about Twitter and the, the threat that both of them pose and... 
despite the clumsy launch yeah. uh, last week of uh, DeSantis's campaign, uh, know that uh, Elon Musk and DeSantis are pretty close right now. Oh, yes. Very, very, very close. And uh, that all of that, the, the authoritarian governments, uh, Elon Musk, Ron DeSantis, all getting along buddy-buddy, all of them not only allowing but promoting disinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, be concerned. Be very, very concerned. Uh, we have a thing on the left, and this is one of the things that I've been known to complain about uh, on occasion, and that is that we often react after it's too late. We yes. often jump onto something that's, after the train humans. has already left the station. You know what I mean? That's, that's humans, generally speaking. We we tend to be reactive and not proactive. Yeah. We, we, we don't take the preparations we should against storms and other things or, or uh, governmentally. You know, uh, uh, We're not very good at looking ahead that way. And yeah. you're right. We tend to be reactive. Well, and the contrast is that the conservative movement has been playing, up until recently, up until Donald Trump to an extent, had been playing a long game. I've been planning uh, for the long term, planning generationally rather than just election to election to election. And so what we need to do in order to seize the initiative is take more of that long term approach, that long view, instead of uh, like I was using as, as an example. Remember, Wendy Davis did this filibuster on the floor of I want to say it was the Texas House, uh, 50% shot. It's either the Texas House or the Texas Senate because they were about to pass this anti-abortion law and she wanted to filibuster it. We only found out about that anti-abortion law and the filibuster after it had already started and after the bill was a matter of minutes away from being passed and the filibuster was ending. It was one of those things where, uh, yes, we're all outraged about it. We're all tweeting about it. But uh, why weren't we doing this a week ago or a month ago? And that's why I so often like stand on the hilltop with a, a siren going, hey, over here, you know, there's this thing happening, <laughs> you know. And yeah. so that's that's my philosophy well, with this Elon I, Musk I, disinformation, because I, I, I don't want to get to right. Inauguration Day 2025, where Donald Trump is taking office again and permanently, by the way. And say, oh, shit, why didn't we pay more attention to that Twitter disinformation that el- that helped elevate him to the presidency again? So that's that's kind of the motivation behind this. And I hope in my small way through this show or through whatever I, I say on right. Twitter and, and writing and so on. Uh, that w- it starts something, starts a ball rolling, gets some a- activism going, maybe some attention in Congress to yes, yes, what, what's I, happening. Yeah. Yeah. After, after, you know, uh, after raising awareness, then what? You know, I mean, uh, raising awareness is job one, okay? Yeah. Uh, but but then what? You know, and, and, and I guess uh, we've just answered that by saying applying pressure to Congress. Yes, yes, obviously. And I think from that point of view, you can even pick off some Republican votes uh, as well, because I think yeah, Republicans I have been chafing at the bit to uh, get some sort of regulations having to do with Section right. 230, uh, right. targeting some of these social media platforms. And uh, quite honestly, I, I think Republicans would it would be in their best interest, too, to take a hard look at disinformation, because I'm sure they don't want disinformation that's uh, that's going to reflect negatively on them. So there's the we, possibility we can, we, that we, we could overcome any sort of uh, logjam with the House of Representatives. There is. We can only hope. Uh, their priorities may be different than ours. That's where the negotiating comes in. But uh, I, I think you do have two sides here, uh, both of which are willing to and 
perhaps now even eager to take some action, especially if uh, the EU continues to set the example that it's set. Yeah, yeah. So the first uh, step toward solving this problem is acknowledging that there's a problem. And, and yeah, and uh, raising awareness about it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, so uh, Charlie Kirk, we're going to talk about this and uh, TPUSA uh, <laughs> walking into uh, its own propeller once again in just a second here. Plus, uh, Ken Paxton, bad news for Ken Paxton in Texas. Yeah. Oh, and That's, oh my God, Lordy, there are tapes. We've got yes. some uh, Donald Trump legal news still to come. Oh my God, lots more show still to do here, Buzz. Better get to it. Okay. Better get to it, Bob. Back with more show right after this. Recording artist named Josh Rennie Hines. And there's a single called Morning Stars. God, I love this. A little bit, uh, it feels like a little bit of Death Cab, a little bit of Flaming Lips in there, kind of, yeah. Love this. BobSeska.com, right on the podcast page for this episode. You can uh, get a link to support Josh Rennie Hines and download this single to your record collection. And uh, as I keep saying, bobseska.com slash music to submit your work just like Josh Rennie Hines did. So thank you for doing that in advance. Okay, Buzz, Charlie Kirk. Dreams do come true on the Bob Seska show. Yes, they do. We play your music and we're so grateful to do that. All right, uh, Charlie Kirk took money. Yes. His, well, his TPUSA company, his TPUSA uh, organization took money. You said TP. Yeah, TP. TP for my bunghole. Took, he, Charlie Kirk's TPUSA took money from a company run by a registered sex offender. Oops. And you know why? Because it's money. Yeah, well, also because Charlie Kirk's the dumbest man in politics. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah, obviously underscoring the hypocrisy of all at once, uh, pushing for these anti-trans laws, anti-drag show laws, anti-LGBTQ laws, at the same time taking money from a registered sex offender. Turning Point USA CEO Charlie Kirk's cheerleading the far-right boycott of Target over the retailer's Pride collection, which included trans-friendly youth apparel and other LGBTQ-positive gear for what Kirk decries as their support for grooming kids. Well, Kirk's condemnation of the retailer coincided with TPUSA's second annual Pastors Summit. Mm -hmm. 
I'm sure that thing is loaded with all kinds of sex offenders, by the way. <laughs> because, yeah, every time I open the paper, every time I check a news website, oh, my God, there's another youth pastor getting nabbed for child porn or uh, child rape or something like that. But this, uh, this Christian fashion company that gave TPUSA all this money is run by a guy, uh, Sean Bergstrand, who served time in federal prison for attempted coercion and enticement. And by the way, coercion and enticement is another phrase for grooming. After trying to persuade a minor female to engage in sexual activity. So, yes, wanted to have sex with an underage girl. Uh, And the operative word here we should be using is rape an underage girl. Right. Right. And so this is the, uh, you know, the people, the purity test people. You got to make sure that you don't support Target and Bud Light and Disney because, oh, they're woke policies and they're grooming. Oh, my God, the trans people in drag shows. And yet yeah. here we are. Uh, and all of that is just made up BS. But yeah. he, he, he got the money. He took the money. He kept the money because, A, it was money. Yeah. B, he thought he could get away with it. Uh, I think those are the... I think that was the rationale there, and and he got caught. I, whether or not there are any consequences to this, I doubt. But uh, you know, at least it's been exposed. And uh, and and this is another guy who has a Caskillion followers on yeah. social media. Uh, you know, is spreading these lies, spreading this made-up stuff about the LGBTQ community. Meantime, Ken Paxton was impeached by the Republican-led Texas House. We talked about the uh, there was a committee that impeached him or that uh, voted to send the impeachment to the floor of the full house in Texas. And we talked about that on Friday's after party. But now since then, he's been impeached by the full house. Mm -hmm. Here's what happened. I'm not sure if you're aware of Ken Paxton's crime. Can we get it? Can we get a ha ha for this? Oh, God. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) There you go. That's for Ken Paxton getting impeached. Yes. One of the worst of the worst. Uh, Paxton may have committed at least three felonies in an effort to help real estate investor Nate Paul with various legal troubles. These included spending $72,000 in staff labor on tasks that benefited the developer, providing Paul with an internal FBI file related to an investigation into Paul and hiring an outside lawyer for $25,000 to conduct work that primarily benefited Nate Paul. Committee investigators also discussed criminal charges that have been pending against Paxton since 2015 when a Collin County grand jury indicted him on two counts of felony securities fraud related to a private business deal or series of deals in 2011. According to those charges, Paxton solicited investors into Serve Energy Inc. without disclosing that the McKinney Tech Company was paying him to promote the stock. <laughs> and uh, so you have this com- you have this complete crook. And whenever you have read in the past and may still read in the future yeah. that thirteen Republican states have gotten together to challenge the federal government on something in federal court, or it goes all the way to the Supreme Court. Ken Paxton of Texas has typically led that band of 13 states. Uh, So you have this crook uh, going after these extreme right-wing policies and taking other, uh, bringing other red states with him. He's been an organizer for these folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, the question now becomes, are there any Republicans who aren't corrupt? Yeah, well, that's true. The common thread between the Charlie Kirk thing and the Ken Paxton thing is the cynical cash grab. 
That's the entire Republican movement. That's really what it's based around. It circulates, it orbits the cynical cash grab. That's the entire point. And I mean, that's why Republican policies, Republican values are basically non-existent because it's just saying the bullshit that will get people to empty their bank accounts and give that money to Republicans. See, and for listeners who think the fun of this is uh, Ken Paxton being impeached, oh, you know, that's that's only half the fun. Yeah. If that's what you think this is, you're missing half the fun. The other half of the fun is they are fighting like cats and dogs in the Texas legislature, and, and it's run by Republicans. So these are Republicans fighting Republicans. Yeah. Paxton going after the Speaker of the House, who was, by all appearances, definitely drunk uh, as he uh, led the chamber, uh, clearly slurring his words. Uh, you know, he was clearly intoxicated, uh, and and uh, and this is the guy who's going after Paxton. Paxton's going after the Speaker of the House, and and like I said earlier, it's a Foghorn Leghorn versus Yosemite Sam here, and you you know, I mean, it, but it's fun watching. Texas Republicans eat each other alive here. Yes, and the other thing, by extension, is it's fun to know that Republicans are still willing to eat each other alive. That's the thing, is that... It can be done. Yeah, Yeah. I think sometimes we think in terms of, well, they're just going to circle the wagons and make sure that uh, no Republicans are damaged by anything, no matter how criminal. The fact that Ken Paxton is in trouble Mm -hmm. indicates that he is expendable. That it would be very easy to replace Ken Paxton with someone that's not so fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or simply there's another one where this one came from. Uh, are uh, fellow Republicans punishing him because he d- did something bad, or are they punishing because he uh, had the temerity to get caught? Yeah, uh, I think I think I sometimes think that they're when they punish their own, which is rare, uh, they're doing it because that individual got caught. Yes, uh, or it's uh, some kind of power play. But uh, this is great because this infighting in Texas uh, happens at the same time. There's infighting in the Republican house in Washington yep. over the the debt limit over the debt limit itself and perhaps as we mentioned earlier in the show over the continuing speakership of McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. In fact, uh let's see. Ted Cruz is pissed off about this uh debt ceiling deal and I will read this text as soon as it comes up. Yes. It says here uh Ted Cruz tweeted in reaction to the debt ceiling deal. He's right. There's not one thing for Dems. There are 4 trillion dollars in things for for this doesn't make any sense there are four trillion dollars things a blank check for democrats okay plus eighty seven thousand things new irs agents to harass americans that's not why this fucking lie <laughs> they're not I, I, they weren't hired to harass americans they weren't har- hired to audit people Right, but okay. I'm still trying to figure out what he said because I didn't understand. The yeah, use I don't of the understand word things. In the, yeah. yeah, there are four trillion dollar things, a blank check for Democrats, all in exchange for eliminating virtually all of the House's spending cuts. So suffice to say, Ted Cruz is pissed off. Rand Paul is pissed off. Of course, Rand Paul is pissed off about anything. Always. Yeah, he wrote here: fake conservatives agree to fake spending cuts. Deal will increase mandatory spending around five percent. Uh, increase military spending around 3% and maintain current non-military discretionary spending at post-COVID levels. No real cuts to see here. Conservatives have been sold out once again. (laughs) 
Yeah, Buck, Buck is unhappy. Gosar is unhappy. Bobert yeah. is unhappy. Chip Roy uh, is unhappy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah, and uh, they they are part of a, a coalition, part of a group in in uh, Congress uh, that. Uh, you know, it can have some impact in the, yeah. how this vote comes out. I'll be interested to see if Republicans can muster the votes. And this is why it's been called a test of McCarthy's leadership. Can he, as Nancy Pelosi did so deftly uh, a million times before him, can McCarthy wrangle the votes and, and get this passed, or will he fail? And, uh, you know, all bets are off. Katie, bar the door. If he fails, we, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and, and as I mentioned, there are Democrats who may vote no as well. So I it'll be interesting to see. It'll probably pass, as we've said, but... It's possible that it won't. And in the meantime, there's all this infighting in Congress in Washington among Republicans and infighting in the Texas legislature among Republicans. Uh, we couldn't and, – and and they got a turd sandwich for the budget deal. So yeah. I think all in all, it's been a good week for Democrats. Well, I get the sense on the upside, and this will uh, wrap up our debt ceiling conversation, at least for today, that uh, one of the reasons why these Republicans are so – uh, uh, casually just freaking out about this debt ceiling deal is I think it's because they can. I think because there are already votes to pass the debt ceiling in the House. That's possible. They because, want to put on a show for the base to make it look yeah. like they're fighting the good fight. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. But their votes aren't necessarily needed if they're going to get uh, mostly, if they're also going to get Democratic votes. Because we're right. not just talking about 218 as far as Republicans go, you're going to get a whole bunch of Democrats voting for this thing, and that's going to make Absolutely. up for the fact that all of these Republicans are like, nope, not going to do it. We're not going to be normal. We're not going to do the things that we should do. We're just going to stand over here and grumble and, and shit ourselves for the duration and, and, of this. And, and all of that may be true, and they may be doing this for show because they know it's going to pass, yeah. but the point is it's infighting. It's, yeah. it's you know, and they're 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 using bad words at each other, the Republicans in Washington, and uh, the same in Texas, accusing, you're drunk, uh, you're stupid. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, this, this is the kind of discourse Republicans are having among themselves. I'm delighted at all of this. So finally here, prosecutors in the Manhattan criminal case against Donald Trump, where he's already been indicted, he's been criminally right. indicted, by the way, I like right. saying that, have released to his attorneys a recording of Trump and a witness whose identity was not disclosed according to a document the office made public on Friday. The document, called an automatic discovery form, describes the nature of the charges against the defendant and a broad overview of the evidence that prosecutors will present at Trump's preliminary hearing or at trial. Trump's attorneys and media organizations, including CBS News, had repeatedly requested that such a form be made public in the week since Trump's arrest on April 4. I love seeing that phrase, Trump's arrest. (laughs) Well, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Did yeah. you ever think you would see that? I, no, you know. I've, I've got a I've got a banner headline on the Tampa Bay Times. I'm, my head is turned away from the microphone right now. Yeah, uh, the Tam- it says Tampa Bay Times, and then uh, across the entire top of the front page in block lettering, all caps, historic arrest, and Trump's picture underneath it, sitting oh, at that beautiful. table at the defense table in the courtroom. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, the Manhattan DA has tape of Trump uh, talking to a witness in the case that's a potential and probable witness tampering mm-hmm. uh and and uh, Trump has screwed himself by doing this in that case I I do think and and all the while uh, the justice department has the security tapes 
uh, from Mar-a-Lago in that case, in the documents case yeah. down there, uh, and and a timeline that they've established where that wh- what time that video was shot and what time people were told things and the emails and all of that. Uh, so that they have, I believe, now an airtight case on that as well. And once again, in both cases, there are tapes. Yes, and we could see indictments handed down on the Mar-a-Lago documents thing any day now. Didn't the? Yeah, I uh, think so. Was, I think so. Yes. Yeah, the word was something to the effect of a matter of days or weeks after Memorial Day, and we are mm-hmm. now the day after Memorial Day. Right. So yeah, hang on tight. Meantime, along those lines, uh, in Mar-a-Lago, the Mar-a-Lago documents case, uh, Donald Trump's lawyer. Tasked with searching for classified documents at Mar-a-Lago after the Justice Department issued a subpoena, told associates that he was waved off. We're talking about Evan Corcoran here. Waved off from searching the former president's office, where the FBI later found the most sensitive materials anywhere on the property. It was Mm -hmm. not clear who waved off Corcoran from searching elsewhere (laughs) at Mar-a-Lago, whether it was Trump himself or one of his uh, lackeys. Uh, Maybe it was Walt Nauda who advised him to look for classified documents in the storage room, according to an account of his testimony to the grand jury. Ha, 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 ha. Exactly, and double ha, ha, because as I pointed out last week, when you lie to your own lawyer, you are lying to an officer of the court. Yes. And that is taken very, very seriously. Uh Uh, Uh-huh. Again, I think think Jack Smith has an airtight case here uh, on the Mar-a-Lago documents case, uh, proof that uh, Trump uh, not only uh, didn't respond to the subpoena, but actually went to the trouble to hide documents. And as I said last week, that's a violation of the Espionage Act. One way or another, uh, Trump is facing... Some serious charges there. It sounds like he's pretty screwed in uh, New York, and we'll find out uh, mid to late July uh, about how screwed he is in Georgia. So you think he's going to get nabbed on the Espionage Act? Do you think there's going to be some charges there? uh, You know, I can't. I wouldn't even begin to predict that. But just the fact that Jack Smith has that in his pocket. Yeah. Uh, gives him a lot of leeway in addition to other uh, serious violations of the law. I think Jack Smith gets to pick and choose what he uh, prosecutes, and whatever he chooses, he will win. He showed, Trump showed documents, allegedly, to people at Mar a Lago who should never have had access to those right. documents. I'm He's su- a braggart. Yeah. yeah. I'm super duper interested to know who, who those people were. Uh huh. I'm super duper interested to know if the people who saw those documents uh, through several hops, of course, could end up precipitating the deaths of American officials or allied officials overseas, uh, personnel, military personnel or otherwise. I mean, you start playing fast and loose with national secrets and saying, hey, come on over, let's have some show and tell in my office at Mar-a-Lago or next to the prime rib bar. Uh, then you start getting into trouble with right. people getting wow. killed because of that information getting loose. Wow, Mr. President, said a reporter. That's really cool that you showed me that. Mind if I take a picture? Yeah, exactly <laughs> fucking right. Jesus. Right. Right. And we know that Donald Trump is doing lots of business with the Saudis. I think this is perfectly obvious. There was uh, another one of those golf tournaments recently. I think 
I think Jack Smith has receipts. Uh, he's uh, subpoenaed the, the data on Trump's business records. I think Jack Smith is looking to draw a line between uh, Donald Trump's business interests in Saudi Arabia and those stolen documents. Yes. Uh, this thing is huge. Yep, yep. And some of us were saying that as soon as we learned that oh, Donald sure, Trump had knew. all those documents and refused to give them away. And then there was the, the search at Mar-a-Lago. We've, we've known this all along in our gut. Now yeah. we know that Jack Smith has the receipts and can get it done. Yes, and regardless of how this plays out, the very fact that Donald Trump is under stress and maybe some form of emotional duress, fear, right. uh, we know he's capable of extreme fear, just makes me happy. Yes. It puts a gigantic smile on my face. You have no so, idea. Despite my grumpiness early in the week, I think it's been a pretty good week for Democrats. Yeah, not too bad. Not too shabby. Yeah. Bad news for Republicans is good news yes. for Democrats. Paraphrase so. what Allison was tweeting the other day. All right, Shatterdocket coming up next. Patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. Sign up for $5 a month, and we will yeah. see you there. Lots more show to come. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Drive carefully. Seska.